What I want to bring this morning, the title is For Goodness Sake, Renew Your Mind. Or For Your Sake, Renew Your Mind. For Your Neighbor's Sake, Renew Your Mind. And so I want to go into that a little bit this morning about what it means to walk in a place of having your mind renewed on a daily basis. And so first to start with, I want to remind all of you that are in here this morning that you are destined for greatness. We live in a world where it tries to keep you mediocre and good is enough. But God has created each one of you, whether you believe in him or not, with a specific purpose that only you can carry it out. He has destined you for greatness. He has destined you for a life of fullness. And so that's where I want to start with this morning. That's the starting point of renewing your mind. And last week, um, when Fudge was speaking, he uh, said this statement, we are called to transform the landscape around us. We are called as a people of God to transform the landscape around us. And here's the thing, no matter what you are thinking, you are transforming the landscape around you in a certain way. And so it's either a positive way, a negative way, a way that's building the kingdom or a way that's tearing down the kingdom. And so we have a choice to make as we renew our minds and as we live lives according to the gospel, according to the scripture, that are going to transform the society around us. But I believe it takes more than one day a week. Who else believes that? You can't just come in here on a Sunday and think, Rich Hill's going to be transformed, amazing. Do you know what? God could do it. But he loves us so much that he doesn't want to just do it. He wants us to engage in the process. He wants us to come alive as the village comes alive. He wants to give us dreams and visions that break our heart for our villages and our neighbors and our towns. He wants to set us ablaze and become people on a journey with him. And so it takes more than just a Sunday for transformation. It takes people like you and me on a journey daily. Daily. That are going to transform this village and towns and nations. And according to the word of God, it starts with that phrase, we need to renew our minds. It's found in uh, Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. But if if you look up the dictionary, what... um, what renew means, there's lots of words, but I picked out a few key ones. It means to bring fresh life, to restore, to regenerate, to awaken. Now think of things in your life that do this, that restore, that regenerate, that awaken, that bring life. And so on a side note, I don't have time to get into it this morning, otherwise we'd be here at two o'clock, but Romans is talking about the word of God and the Holy Spirit renewing your mind. But I think that there's so much more. That's the most important. So please don't get that out of context. But I believe a God who loves us has placed things in our lives that do that to us also. So think of the things in your lives that that bring freshness, that restore, that regenerate, that awaken. I believe along with his word and his spirit, God has given us things that transform our minds. Things like seasons of rest, patterns of rest, things like family, friends, spouses, He gives us hobbies, ambitions, desires, passions, all these things. Think about it yourself this morning. Along with the word of God and the Holy Spirit, what else has God placed in your life as a gift that just makes you come alive? Because those are good things. Those are things that are good to have in your daily routine, in your life, along with the word of God and spending time with him. So I want to encourage you this morning, on a side note before we get into this, what fills you? What gives you passion? What hobbies do you have that when you come, when you come away from it, you're ready to, you know, to face the world again? But let's read Romans 12. 
And this is where it comes from, the verse about renewing your mind. And it says in the New Living Translation, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, transforming your mind by the changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The message puts it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. And the passion puts it this way. I love it. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? What should our response be? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all, that, uh, all the delights of his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. What does it take? He's asking for, in response to his mercy and his love on the cross, for a life that is surrendered, a life of sacrifice, a life that is holy, not out of man-made rules, but out of response of love. He's asking us not to imitate our culture, but to be unique and who we are called to be. But it's not just these do's. Out of this, he says, you're going to be transformed. You're going to be empowered. My will for you is going to be revealed, which is going to bring a fullness of life that you have never experienced before. Every time in the word of God, when, when it's asking us to do something, there is always a magnificent gift at the end of it. Did you ever notice that? There's always a magnificent gift at the end of things that God is asking us to do. And so the only way we can consistently do kingdom works is to view things from the reality of God's perspective. And so that's what the Bible is starting to mean when it's talking about renewing your mind. It's talking about seeing things from a different perspective, not from how we should think in the natural. So what does it look like for me? And this is something I've been thinking about and praying about and trying to practice um, for the last, if I'm honest, three or four weeks, really intentionally, because it's very hard. But for me, it looks like actually prioritizing my time with God. It starts with coming to him in thankfulness, because renewing my mind starts to take away the stuff that shouldn't be there and put in the new thoughts that come from, from heaven. And so it's starting to be thankful for even the little things in life. Being thankful for the people around me. It's asking him, God, please give me your eyes for people. Give me your heart for people. Give me your desires for my neighbors. God, will you show me people today that need filled with hope? 
will you show me today people that maybe just needed someone to smile at them? God, will you show me what I'm meant to do with my finances today? I'm asking him in those moments, will you align my heart with you and with what your word says? The main thing that I have been praying is this, God, will you make it more of you and less of me? Because I don't know about you, but the me inside me usually messes up. The me inside me gets angry quickly. The me inside me gives up quickly. The me inside me is not as persistent as when heaven is inside me. When I take time to let myself be renewed and filled by the Spirit. And you know what? Two of the things that I have found most helpful are allowing myself to be silent. I know. Hard. If you know me, that's hard. But allowing yourself to be silent. Sometimes I fall asleep in the presence of God. It's okay to do that. Being silent before him and being filled afresh. And the other thing that I found is God wants us to be honest. He knows our hearts. He knows our minds. But you know what? It's really good getting things out. Getting it out so that he can refill it afresh. He can renew. And so um, there's a verse in the Bible that I think describes this better than I ever could. It's found in Ephesians 3.14. It's pretty small here, but I'll read it. This is the heart of what a transformed mind looks like. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being and his divine might and explosive power. Then by consistently using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power consistently energizes you. Does that sound like your walk with God? Because in this country, we've been walking in religion for too long. This is what truly knowing Jesus is like. Now, there's days I could put my head through that brick wall. There's days where I feel down. There's days when the finances don't look good. There's days when me and the wife are, you know, we're always happy, we're always getting on. There's days when the kids drive you crazy. There's days when you have doubts. There's days whenever you could give it all up. But you know what? When you come back to this place of Father, I need my mind renewed. I need to think like heaven. You start to actually go, do you know what? There is so much more. Another verse that talks about this energy is found in John 3.29. And it says this, he is the bridegroom and the bride belongs to him. I am the friend of the bridegroom who stands nearby and listens with a great joy to the bridegroom's voice. And because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. Does anybody know that verse? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Why am I reading this verse? It's because I get to stand by as the bride and listen to what God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are saying about me what they're saying to me and what they're saying about the people that I'm going to engage with today. And you know, as you're reading through Ephesians 3, it talks about this. He gives us an understanding of God's love for you and God's love for others. 
In this place where we take time to let him renew our mind and fill our minds afresh, he helps us to understand how much he loves us. Do you ever see Neil up here crying? Most weeks. It's because Neil is having an encounter where he is starting to understand how much God loves him. Have you ever just stopped and wept over someone's situation? It's because God has given you a glimpse of his heart for them. And he's calling you as people of God to respond and be his hands and feet. You get a glimpse of his almighty love. And John 3.34 says, The one whom God has sent to represent him will speak the word of God, for God has poured out upon him the fullness of the Holy Spirit without limitation. As we come to the place of sitting before God, renewing our mind, getting filled afresh, he has promised us that I have given you the spirit without limitation. If you ask for it in my name, according to my will, I am going to do, I am going to give, I am going to use. We'll get a bit more into that later on. So let's have a look at the life of Jesus briefly. And so Neville spoke about this a few weeks ago. I'm not going to preach about it. I just want to use it as an example. And it's the the famous story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's uh, Jesus goes to the well. He hangs out with this lady of the night that he shouldn't be hanging out with who has had five husbands. And it's something that he shouldn't have been doing, but he done it anyway. And so as I read through it, if I believe that Jesus gave up his deity and was a man like you and me, you're a woman, you're not a man. You know what I mean? He was human like you and me. I have to believe that he was listening to the Father and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. So he was spending time with the Father, saying, God, what about today? I'm sure there's a few other things before that. Thankfulness, love. But at the end, I believe Jesus would have been, Father, what have you got for me today? I'm so excited. Today, son, you're going to meet a woman at a well. Here's what I want you to do. And I believe Jesus placed himself at that well at exactly the right time as that lady was only there because he knew what was going to happen as heaven invaded earth through one man being obedient. And so he had heard from the father. He didn't need to tell her her life story. He just said two short sentences. He said to this lady, and you can find it in John 4, he said to this lady, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. His response was, I know you have five. Imagine that. That's all he had to say. And her response in verse 29 was this. Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Now, did Jesus tell her everything he ever did? No. He just looked into her heart and told her one thing that only God could know. But Jesus didn't leave it there. And this is where I want to go with this this morning. Jesus didn't leave it there. In John 4, verse 13 and 14, Jesus answered, If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. He didn't just stop at the miraculous. He didn't just stop at being obedient. He went further and said, there's so much more than this. God wants to fill you so that you will never thirst again. He wants to make you satisfied. He wants to give you new life. He wants to wash your mind. He wants to rewash and renew you on a daily basis, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. But the story continues. The disciples come back after all of this with it. I can imagine the look on their face. Jesus was hanging out with a, a prostitute at a well by himself during the day. Can you imagine the looks on their faces? But it says this, Jesus told them, don't worry about me. They asked him, did he need anything to eat? I have eaten a meal you don't know about. 
Puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss among themselves, did someone already bring him food? Where did he get this meal? Then Jesus spoke up and said, my food is doing the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. Now let me explain that a bit further. In the Passion Translation, the writer writer of it explains it a little bit more. And he says, in verse 32, there is a a fascinating wordplay here in the Aramaic. The word Jesus uses isn't a common word for food, but it is actually a word that means nutrients. And so what Jesus was saying is, I have all the nutrients I need that have come from heaven. And so what I want to say to you this morning is that as you take time on a daily basis, just like you do to eat, when you spend time in the presence of God, when you take time to come before the Father, to renew your mind, to get the things out that need to get out, to get the things out of your heart that need to get out, to be filled afresh, God is filling you with heavenly spiritual nutrients that give you power that give you power to go through that day, but also give you power to grow. Give you power to expand in different gifts. Gives you power to expand in different things that he has placed within you. And so, as we renew our minds, I believe he feeds us these nutrients because he wants us to physically respond. What do I mean by this? Now, show show us this picture here. Now, this is you should have not missed your leg day at the gym. What do I mean by this? There's so many of us, you're really good at one certain thing. God's give you one gift. But as you spend time with him in that quiet place, he's putting something in your heart and saying, you know what? I want you to start stepping out in this. I want you to start stepping out in faith. And you don't do it. You continue to work out the thing that, you know, I'm really good at this. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing my biceps and my arms. I'm going to miss my legs. Something happens within your Christian life that it completely goes out of all proportion. The other thing in this as well is, as God calls you in that secret place to step out for him, if he puts it on your heart to speak to someone, if he puts it on your heart to share the gospel with someone, if he puts it on your heart to pray with someone, and you do it, that's fine. But if you just go to the gym once, or if you just do something once, if you create a habit once, we all know the outcome. What do you need to do? It needs to become a daily pattern where you start to build. You build on the last day, or you build on the last week. And so in this moment, God has sent, see these heavenly nutrients? God has given you an opportunity as you get your mind renewed and then physically respond to start to build and build, to start to build your spiritual muscles, to start to build your kingdom muscles of words that he's given you, of people that he wants to pray for, of endurance to go through trials. Whatever it may be, he wants to build you up. Too often, we're happy enough for the one miraculous thing and we live off it for six months a year and we keep looking back instead of going, do you know what? What else today? That was yesterday. Love it. Brilliant. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later. But what do you have for me today? Because I need to continually build. It's okay to build myself physically, but God spiritually, what do you have for me today? Hopefully not chicken legs. I hurt my knee, so I haven't been able to do my legs in a while. It might be me in a few months. But in Ephesians 3, verse 17, it says this. Looking back, consistently, continually, use your gift. Like the woman at the well in John 4, people like her, people like her are waiting for God to invade and they don't even know it. God has placed people in your life, in your story, that are waiting for God to invade, and God is waiting for you to look up and say, God, I'm. I'm open and I'm ready. Renew my mind. Point them out to me. 
He wants them to be a part of your story. He wants them to be a part of your nutrients that you're starting to build your faith upon. He's waiting for you to flourish in his kingdom. And so when the disciples returned to Jesus at the well, they were stunned. Can you imagine? This was a man of God and he was hanging out with this lady of the night during the day. And I want to put this in here. When we respond to God's heart, when we start to act upon the things that he speaks to us in the quiet place, when we start to go places where maybe we wouldn't have went before, when we start to talk to people that we shouldn't be speaking to according to the world, I want to tell you that it's probably going to be people close to you that will not agree with you. It's probably going to be the closest people to you that will say, are you sure you're hearing from God? Now, please don't get me wrong. Use discernment. Talk to people around you that are mentors. But if the world doesn't understand and the people around you don't understand, sometimes it can be a lonely place when God speaks to you. But just look at the results. John four thirty seven. It says, and this confirms the saying, one sows the seed and another reaps the harvest. So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Then they begged Jesus to stay with them. So he stayed there for two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his teaching. Now through this, I wrote down sort of the pathway of what I've seen. The first one was this, a renewed mind. Jesus has spent time with the Father, and out of that renewed mind came an outward response. Out of that outward response was the miraculous. Out of the miraculous came a hunger in the people, and out of that hunger came the ability for them then to respond with teaching, and out of that teaching came salvation. As we renew our minds, other people's lives are at stake. When you and me start to walk in the things of the Spirit, it's going to flow out of you no matter what you want to do with it. And so to continue that thought on Jesus in verse 13 and 14, the washing out of our minds. I was talking to Neil this week and he, he had been listening to another sermon. And the guy was asked in that, um, you know, isn't, isn't Christianity just another form of brainwashing? And his response was, well, we're all having our brain washed by someone. I would rather have it washed by Jesus. Um, and so it's very true. We are all having our minds washed or renewed by something. And so I believe there's three things. We're not going to get into it too deep this morning, but there are three things, um, prominent things, that I believe shape or wash your mind. And each one of them acts as leaven. It can get into your life in a little, a little way, but then starts to quickly consume and take over. And so the first one is culture. Culture can consume us as Christians. The worldview, how we respond to things, the desires that we have, the amount of time we watch and play sports, the goals we have, the aims we have. But it says in Romans 12, stop imitating the world. And do you know why it says that? Because the world just wants to create another person wearing the same shirt and wearing the same shoes and wearing the same trousers with the same haircut, with the same desires, with the same car, with the same pictures on Facebook. It wants to create, create people that just follow like lemmings. But the word of God has crea- said that we are created as unique individuals. And so you're called to be unique, not to follow the culture, not to let it dictate who you are, but let the word of God dictate who you are. It's also birthed out of a fear of man. You're scared of what others say. The second one is religion, otherwise known as practical atheism, because we no longer need the power of God because we have it all under control. We don't need, we love God, but we don't need you because we've got it. We've got enough money, got enough food. We're, we've got this. 
And so we don't need the power of God. We seek to control God. We define God and we place him in a man-made box. We embrace God in theory, but not in practice or experience. We're always seeking to provide explanations and not solutions. And the other thing I wrote down this morning as I was praying about this, about religion, is this. For me, it's void of love and grace. It is void of love and grace. And is birthed in a fear of God and a fear of the men that seem to represent God. And the third one is the most important one. God. God can shape our minds. And so for me, it's this. I want to be so focused on him that the other two don't really matter. Culture is a part of me. Religion, in a way, is a part of all of us, no matter what we, we all have something in there that maybe we need to shake off, especially in this country. But when we truly are focused on him, those other things, you know, they're put to the side. We're so focused on him in the kingdom that they don't have a chance. And it's based on love and grace versus fear of God and fear of man. And so how we feed each of these into our minds will determine how they consume us, how they grow in us. But the Bible says this, that faith comes from hearing, not having heard. And so it's so important that we continue as we renew our minds to keep hearing, not live on the things that we have done in the past or done yesterday. They're great for building and giving you nutrients, but to build as a people of God on a firm, solid foundation, we have to continue hearing what the Father is saying about us. And so out of that, there has to be a practical response. There has to be a practical response. Can you imagine... For instance, the guys in the little caves, in the, in the caves in Thailand, I believe that for the rest of their lives, they will honor that diver who died. I believe for the rest of their lives, they will honor the men that saved them because they were willing to risk their lives. And so for you and me, as Christians, we are responding out of place of gratitude for the gift of salvation and eternal life that Jesus has given us. And so it's a response where we want to live in holiness. And so I believe that as you go into a place of having your mind renewed, your practical responses change, your choices change, how you surrender changes, your attitude changes, your stress changes. Have you ever been with someone and it's just, oh my goodness, everything is just so bad. You know, I'm as guilty as anyone. Everything's just so bad. The worst will actually, I have no time to do anything. Well, break down your week. Tell Tell me what you do with your time. And by the time you finish your conversation, you soon realize plenty of time. Oh, my finances are all absolutely desperate. Can't deal with it. Talk about, let me see your bank account. How do you spend your money? When you get down to it, it's choices. And so we are called to live and think differently. We are called to believe differently. And so even, even just in a practical response, I was running late to the castle yesterday to bring some of the um, interns and the guys to their flight to Burkina Faso. But I had to stop and get a coffee because I can't drive to Belfast back without a coffee. And there was this guy in a Mercedes, so already I didn't want to let him out because he was driving a Mercedes. And uh, he just pulls out at me, doing, pulls out in front of me, 20 miles an hour. And I, I was going the speed limit. And I slammed the horn on. I was like, Ruff! I didn't swear. I just started shouting at him. And then he started breaking and up and down. So I flew past him and I got the first choice. And I stared at him when I went past. And as soon as I had done that, I, I, felt, I just felt God saying to me, do you know, your attitude would have been a lot different if you had just patiently 
let him out and bless them. Like, oh, sorry. I know it's small, but there's, there's so many things in life where we actually just start, in, start responding from a heavenly perspective, from a place of grace, from the heart of the Father. You know, I get stressed and annoyed and blood pressure up. It wouldn't have happened if I just helped me think like heaven. We need to start seeing the best in people. I was listening to a sermon this week by a guy called Leon Fontaine. And he said, there's so many Christians, they're walking around and they're stuck in first gear. They're like, like this. And I I can't do any more. I'm full. I'm going to go crazy. I have so many people wanting stuff out of me. I'm so busy in work. I'm so busy in life. I'm so busy in family. And Leon's just like, do you know what? If you just put your foot in the clutch, stop for a second, go into second gear. You know what the thing is? You're going twice the speed the third of the RPMs. You know that? Robert knows what that means. He was always saying, take our foot of the clutch, take our foot of the clutch. Anybody needs a good driving instructor, this boy has a bamboo cane and he beats your leg if you keep your foot in the clutch driving a lorry. But he's saying there's so many of us, we're driving around in first gear, completely out of our wits, we're going to blow the engine, there's smoke everywhere, and all we have to do is in the place of renewing your mind, come before the Father and say, God, what is heaven's solution? And you know in those moments, I bring a notebook in, because sometimes God says, you know what, in this season, those things aren't bad, but they need to go. In this season, I'm calling you to pour into these people. So have a conversation with other people and say, you know what, for this season, I'm going to take a break. Or in work, I want to give you divine solutions that are going to make your job so much easier as I give you revelation from me in that quiet place. And you go into second gear. And then do you know what? He increases your capacity so much to where you're in, in second gear. I can't do this anymore. Julie says, you know what? Come to me, all your weakened and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest in the third gear. And do you know what? You're doing travel what you were doing in first gear to higher revs. And so do you know what? The kingdom wants to keep expanding you and giving you more, but it all starts with this. It starts with the mindset that you have because the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants you stressed. He wants you annoyed. He wants you shouting at the old man in the Mercedes. He probably doesn't have a clue. He wants you annoyed with every single person that you look up because he wants the demons following you and all hell following you and breaking loose. And people are going, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. But he wants you to carry the mind of heaven. He wants you to to be the dwelling place of God Almighty. So as you walk into the room, what's the verse say? Everything changes. That person brings a peace and a calmness and a stillness that I just can't understand. But I want what they have. Not this, you know what, I'm going 100 miles an hour. Everything is just bad. Everything is so bad. Oh my goodness. And I am as guilty as anyone. And the Lord is speaking to me about it. And he's probably speaking to you too. I need to hurry up. I believe fear is something that holds us back. Fear is what holds us back from renewing our minds. Do you know why? Because every single one of us has something in our lives that is not good for us. And we don't want to give it up. Or we think, how can I stop this? Or how can I stop thinking this way? How can I stop reacting this way? How can I stop this habit? How can I stop this addiction? And do you know what? We know that when we start to daily and on purpose come into the presence of God to have our minds renewed, he is going to talk to us in a loving way. He's going to convict us. He's going to help us. And so this morning, what is it that you're not ready to deal with, but you need to deal with? 
What fear is holding you back? And then in the practical sense, as you come into the presence of God, it's fear that stops you praying with that person on the street because you think nothing's going to happen. It's fear that stops you declaring things about God in situations with your family and whatever it may be. It's fear that stops you giving that money away to that person that God has put in your heart to give it because it's your last 10 pounds, whatever it may be. It's fear that stops you going to that country, that place, that neighbor, wherever it may be, because you think, what are they going to think of me? Who cares? Because that's how adventures start. As God tells you things and shows you things and puts it on your heart in that quiet place as your mind is renewed, he wants to bring you on a great adventure. Bob Goff says this, I used to be afraid of failing at something that really mattered to me, but now I'm more afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. As you come into the presence of God and have your mind renewed, it takes you practically prioritizing things in life, but also It reorientates your priorities. Things that you once thought were important suddenly seem not important. And the great theologian, we seen the clip at the cinema yesterday, Winnie the Pooh, he says this, people say nothing is impossible, but I do it every day. Do you want me to say it again? People think nothing is impossible, but I do it every day. And I think that should be the slogan of me some days with regards to the kingdom. With the church, we've got really good at doing nothing. When God is saying, each of you unique and wonderful individuals, as you have your mind shaped and renewed in my presence, it's going to change the face of Rich Hill and of Armagh and Market Hill. It's not up to the leaders of churches. It's up to people on a journey being filled and equipped on a daily basis. And I believe that the miraculous provides more opportunities than any other. Christian activity. Controversial, is it? I believe that the miraculous provides more opportunities than any other Christian activity. Let me explain. John 10, this is what Jesus says about it. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. Even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. It's for us all. God wants us to be his presence on the streets with our neighbors, with our family. And you know what? The revelation that we gain as we spend time with him only brings us halfway. It's actually practically outworking that and experience that brings us into fullness. Revelation is just for relationship at the start, but ultimately it's to transform us. And when we're transformed, people around us start to be transformed. Think of someone right now who you know is like that. Do you know we walk past opportunities on a daily basis to plant seeds, to reveal God's heart? We walk past things on a daily basis where people are crying out for Jesus because we're too busy, we're too scared. You know when I was in Tenerife, um, Nicola forgot something at the beach. Or it was me. So I had to walk a mile back to the room to get it. And I was like, God, the last time this happened, you told me to run after someone with my flip-flops and tell her that you love her. Please don't do that again. I'll tell you more about that after. But this time he did. I just felt God speaking to me. And I walked past this homeless guy. Not that I loved her, that God loved her. Uh, I was walking past this homeless guy and I just felt God wanted me to stop with him and talk with him and pray with him. I didn't do it. I was walking past this business that we had been to a few times. Obviously, it was for ice creams and smoothies. We'd been there every night, and I didn't do it. And do you know what? I, I thought about it for three days. And th- three nights later, I was walking with, with Daniel and Joshua, and I told them before I went, you know what? I felt that God 
wanted me to go and talk to this man. I had a word for him, and he wanted me to just bless his business and just pray over him. And that's all it was. And so I said, boys, are you up for it? Will you just pray with me? He said, yes, we're going to pray with him. And so we went back to this ice cream shop. Thankfully, he spoke English, and I said, you, you must run this place. And I just said, listen, I'm a Christian, and I really felt like God wanted me to just pray a blessing and speak blessing over your business. And he started to cry. And all we did was pray over him. It's as simple as that. And you know, as we walked up the street, Daniel and Joshua would not shut up about it. They were talking about it. They were so excited about it. And they came in rushing in, Mommy, Mommy, guess what, guess what Daddy done? And in that moment, I realized, you know what? I have to learn to involve the next generation, to give away what God is implanting in me to the next generation so it becomes normal for them to live in a way that gives the kingdom away. It's normal for my boys to pray with people in the playground, to encourage their teacher like no other child does, to bless people and to understand what they carry in the kingdom. I need to hurry up. In John 5, Jesus said, answered his critics after healing on the Sabbath, he said, every day my father's at work and I am going to do the same thing. Try to stop me. Try to stop me. John 3, verse 31, for the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks from the natural realm, but the one who comes from above is above everything and speaks of the highest realm of all. When you and me have heaven implanted in us and we have the kingdom implanted in us, we are the mouthpieces of heaven. But that doesn't sound very attractive, so let's call us the orchestra of heaven. See, when we get this right, we should be like a symphony orchestra where we are working together in unity. Not just this, but the church. Working in unity so that it attracts people to the beautiful, pleasant aroma and music that we give off when we work together for the Father. And so in the story of Nicodemus, I've missed out a few things here, but the story of Nicodemus, he asks about rebirth. And so maybe we've got to this point now and you're like, what's he talking about? I don't have a clue. And so this morning, as we are talking about a renewed mind, I want to tell you that the renewed mind does not come without giving your life to Jesus. It doesn't come without you understanding, I need to have a renewed heart. And that comes from saying yes to Jesus. It comes from saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I realize what you have done on the cross for me. And I want to give my life to you. That's you this morning. I want to talk to you. But if you've already done that, I want to ask you a quick question. How has that impacted your daily life? And then through you, how is that impacting the world around you? If you know Jesus this morning, how is it impacting your daily life? And how is that impacting those around you? Ask yourself that serious question. Let me skip to the end. I got too excited when I was preparing my notes this week because I haven't preached in six weeks. As you spend time with God, practically I want to really urge you to bring a notepad with you. And I want you to start asking God to speak to you about yourself, about your family, about your neighbours, about your job, about people that he wants you to engage with today. And to help you build, I want you to do this. I want you to remember, to record and review Because what the devil wants to do is he wants to steal away those victories. He wants you to forget about the goodness of God. He wants you to forget about that encounter you had with him that changed your life. And so I urge you as a people of God, like the children of Israel, they built monuments in remembrance to remember by writing it down, to record it, that is writing it down, and to review. So go back and read over the things that God has spoken to you 
the prophetic words that God has given to you, the encouraging words that God has given you, the moments where you've prayed for someone and they've been healed, the moments where he's given you a word and the person has burst in tears because they have heard from heaven through you. Write it down and remember because it starts to build you up and feed you. And so in these moments with God, what are your desires? This is me finishing. What are your desires in that moment? Because as you're having your mind renewed, I want us to start asking for big things as a people of God. As a family on mission in Rich Hill, I want you to start asking for big things. In Mark 11, it says this. This is the reason I urge you boldly to believe for whatever you ask or pray for, believing that you have received it and it will be yours. Bill Johnson says this. Few people I know receive substantial revelations or visitations of God without reckless pursuit. Most people I know receive revelation, who receive revelation, cry out day and night for that fullness of the Holy Spirit. Casual prayer gets casual revelation. Deep cries, deep cries cause God to hear you and answer you and show you great and mighty things you do not know. And so that's me. I am trying my best to do what I just, to do that quote. If there's nothing else you remember this morning, can we be a people who stop living casual lives? For goodness sake, renew your mind. Stop living casual lives for Jesus. And start pursuing him and saying, God, I want more. God, I need more. God, for goodness sake, these things in my life that I know are holding you back, will you take them? Will you renew them? Will you redeem them? Will you change them? And so the cry of my heart is that this morning. I want reckless pursuit. And it's not just for leaders and pastors and mission workers. It's only going to happen when you and me do it in our everyday, ordinary lives.